uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Welcome to Planet 8. I'm your Chief Engineer, Bob, and with me is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And uh, we're here with a brief message to let you know that we are running some best of Planet 8 episodes. Planet 8 itself is going on a short hiatus, and uh, Karen will explain what's going on there. Thanks, Bob. Uh, yep, we're going to take a, a short break. Unfortunately, we're doing this break because our dear commander, Larry, um, has experienced something none of us want to go through, which is a house fire. Uh, he and his family are all right, but they are out of their home uh, and trying to sort of pick up the pieces right now and figure out what they're going to do. So in this time period when... Um, you know, he's just trying to get his life together and get his uh, family all the stuff they need. Uh, we decided, okay, we're going to take a break because obviously the podcast is about the last thing on his mind right now. So um, with that in mind, as Bob said, we'll do some best of episodes until Larry's able to um, rejoin us. Now, in the meantime, uh, we have set up a GoFundMe for Larry and his family. So if you're so inclined, if you'd like to donate, that would be wonderful because they really, they've basically lost everything. Um, so you can go to either our Facebook page or our Twitter uh, page, and we have links there for the GoFundMe. Uh, if you'd like to donate, that would be marvelous. We'd appreciate the support for him. Um, and uh, yeah, we, uh, we hope to be back soon. Uh, definitely, yeah. I mean, if you've seen our sensor sweeps and things and all the items that Larry has shared over the years, uh, that's all gone. The collection's gone, everything. So um, they're basically looking for the, the necessities of life right now. So if you can help out, that would be great. In the meantime, enjoy this best of episode, and we'll try to be back with you live as soon as possible. Enjoy. Thank you. Help the humans about to escape. Get your paws off me, you dirty ape. <gasps> he can talk. 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 I can sing. Oh, help me, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. What's wrong with me? I think you're crazy. Want a second opinion? You're also lazy. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Can I play the piano anymore? Of course you can. Well, I couldn't before. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Planet 8. We are fortunate to have friend of Planet 8 with us today. The one, the only, the myth, the legend, 
Lord Bloodraw. Oh, my lords and ladies in the planet of the planet of the eight. What, what a give. What a give. What a giveaway. Uh, in the Planet 8 universe, I'm once again very happy to be here. Always a pleasure. And as Lord Bloodraw alluded to, today's yes. topic uh, is going to be the original Planet of the Apes film. Straight away, let's go over to our chief engineer, Bob. When and how were you first exposed to this film? Well, even though I claim to be old, I did not see it in the theaters when it came out. So I think the first time I saw it was probably on uh, on network TV. Like oh. ABC, I think, was showing okay. Planet of the Apes, the uh, movies. Like the Saturday Night Movie or whatever? Yeah, one of, the, one of those. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was the first time I saw it. And I did see Planet of the Apes first. I didn't see, like, one of the others. Oh, okay. So you, you know. came so into the So I pretty much Chuck went Heston. in order. I think I saw Escape <clears throat> on in the theaters. Okay. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I just thought it was totally amazing that these apes are talking. Because, I mean, the makeup in that movie is amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you really believe, at least back then, yeah. the apes were walking around and talking and acting like humans. And, yeah. Cool. And uh, Lord Bloodraw, when, when and how? I, I am old, and I did see it in the theaters. Uh, but it was about, it had to be about second or third run. Okay. Had to be, because I want to say I didn't see it until maybe 71 at like a second or third run film yeah, theater. Yeah. And I was blown away by it, mm -hmm. uh, you know. But if, when you're that age, my initial thought was, wow, they had a Statue of Liberty too. How weird. <laughs> and then like on the ride home, I'm thinking, oh, I, oh, the planet, oh, wow, it was Earth. So, uh, yeah, and again, like most films of this magnitude, you've right. got to see it on a big screen to have actually right. seen it. And uh, I've seen it on big screen a few times and is just still so impressive. And yeah. so not only the, 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 the makeup effects, but the the acting through the makeup. If they had had any less quality actors under that makeup, Agreed. it wouldn't have wouldn't have worked. Or less of a fine script. Mm. That script is just incredible, incredibly well done. True, true. Let's kick it up to the satellite. Our friend and yours, reconnaissance officer Karen. Oh well, thank you, Larry. <laughs> well, I had sort of a misadventure uh, first time I tried to see Planet of the Apes. So mm. I was but a wee child. <laughs> and uh, the folks decided to take me and my brother to the drive-in to see Planet of the Apes. So this was when it was first out. And uh, I was so excited because I always loved apes and monkeys. And I was like, oh, Planet of the Apes. <laughs> so we go to the drive-in, and the drive-in has this playground there. And so we're in our pajamas. We're running around the playground playing before the, the movie starts. And I have to ask, uh, did they have monkey bars there? <laughs> oh, so, okay. uh, so we, you know, we run around, we play, we get all worn out, and we lay down in the back of the station wagon to watch the movie, and, and the movie starts, and I see the spaceship, and it's like, oh, this is exciting, and the spaceship crashes in the water, and the astronauts get out, and they're going across the desert, and the next thing I know, they're starting the car up, and we're leaving the drive-in. I fell asleep. Oh. I didn't see a single ape. Oh. <laughs> so, so when I actually saw the movie, it was like Bob on TV when they decided to, to show it the first time sure. on, the, on the television. 
And yes, I was very distraught. I was like, what? The movie's over? What? Why didn't you wake me up? Um, they had no good answers for me. Um, so yeah, so I got to see it on TV. And I think the first one in the series I actually saw in the theater was Conquest. Ah. Um, so I, I saw everything on, you know, they were turning them around pretty quickly, as I recall, oh, on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, years later, a couple of years ago, I actually saw uh, the original in the theater. I think it was probably Fathom or one yeah, of yeah. That was the one where they interviewed Dr. Zayas before the movie. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was, that that was, was great. fabulous was to see movie. it on the big screen. Um, but yeah, like the guys said, I mean, this... This was a major production. You had a, a guy, Charlton Heston, who at that time was still a huge star. Yeah. Um, you know, headlining this thing. Mm -hmm. um, this was no joke. You know, this was a very serious sci-fi movie. Um, and to me, it's one of those films. I'll I'll stop and watch it anytime. If I turn on the TV and it's on, it's like mm -hmm. done. I'm not doing anything for the next hour or however mm -hmm. long. You know, it's just a great film. Yeah, uh, what year? It was 68? 68. 68, yeah. Right? So up to that point, 2001 hadn't come out yet. Right? Kubrick's film came out, or, or did it? it? It came out uh, in the same year, was right? Was it the same year? Okay, all right. Or was, or was Kubrick, uh, 2001, 69? 69, I think. I think. Yeah. 69, okay. Okay, so okay. this, this, uh, so at the time it was kind of like, yeah, like Karen said, a big deal. Yeah. Well, weren't they I mean, within I, the same Oscar season? They were the same year, actually. It was mm. the same year. Okay, yeah. all right. Yes. Okay, because they were within the same Oscar season. Mm. Because I think 2001, they lost out to Planet of the Apes. Well, no, Planet of the Apes well, got a special Oscar. They got a special for Oscar for the makeup. For the makeup, makeup. Yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was reading where, like, John Chambers was the guy who did the makeup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he had done... He was doing reconstructive surgery and prosthetics for soldiers in the war. Wow. The, he was in the army. And that's where he kind of honed his skills. Right. But mm -hmm. yeah, no, he also worked on uh, The Monsters and Lost in Space and Outer Limits. Oh, wow. And the most iconic thing he did, other than apes, was Mr. Spock's ears. That's right. Ah. That's right. Yeah. 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 So he developed the those. beauty of Planet Eight. You all get an education, <laughs> <laughs> and I also education, right? And I'd also heard that uh, when he was initially offered the makeup job for Planet of the Apes, he said, "No, nah, that's crazy. I don't want to do it." And the person who offered it to him said, "Well, if you don't get it, Westmore is going to do it." Oh. <laughs> and he said, "Because oh, no, he hated Bud Westmore, not Bud Westmore, but Michael Westmore, Bud Westmore." Bud Westmore. Bud Westmore. Yeah, at that point, yeah. He hated Bud Westmore. So he decided, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think well, the makeup, I mean, still stands up today. Oh, it's amazing. You know? yeah. I'll tell you, near, near and dear to my heart, Yeah. back a long time ago, I was researching an article I was doing on Space Giants. Japanese mm, show Space I Giants. I love Space Giants. Well, Planet of the Apes, all the, make, all the main actors had makeup. Mm -hmm. But when you had like a big scene a bunch of monkeys mm -hmm. and whatever all mm -hmm. apes and the apes in the background all had masks mm -hmm. and masks were actually done by some of the effects guys that worked on like space giants and johnny sock on his flying robot oh so, that's wow. cool near and dear to my heart but yeah that's uh they did like the background ones you don't see quite as much as right, the, right. the detailed sure. makeup yeah. ones yeah have you guys seen the footage 
of the uh, the makeup that was done not by Chambers but by it's in my notes Ben Nye. Yes. Um, the, okay. The science so you guy. Know what oh, no, I'm talking about because <laughs> Edward G. Robinson. Edward G. Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. So obviously very primitive compared to what Chambers did, but right. they had to do it in order to convince Zanuck, uh, Richard Zanuck, to to finance the the film at 20th Century Fox. But it's interesting to look at that. And uh, they were they were like, okay, yeah, sure, you know that makeup looks good, but it's nowhere near as good as what Chambers did. No, they looked almost. Edward uh, uh, G. Robinson as Zayas looked almost like a uh, a caveman, kind of a primitive man, rather than <laughs> yeah. rather than a full on orangutan. Well, before yeah. like before Arthur Jacobs got a hold of it, uh, the King brothers initially wanted to do a film, but the King brothers were kind of low budget. They distributed like Gorgo over here and Rodan, uh-huh. and so everyone was afraid that it was going to look like a bunch of guys in monkey suits. Yeah, sure. and then yeah. for ever, whatever reason they pulled out, and that's when Arthur, Arthur Jacobson picked it up. Ooh. But he had just done uh, Doctor Little, Doctor Doolittle, with right. Rex Harrison, Rex Harrison. Mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, he's the one who shopped it around and finally convinced Warner Brothers to take it on, but. Mm-hmm. They even wanted to cut the budget. I mean, budget was like five point nine million or something for this movie. Yeah, well, that was a lot. Which back is like then. that's like the catering bill to most movies. These days. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and if you look at the original concept art for it, the apes were supposed to have a more modern society, so they were flying right. helicopters and driving right. cars and have modern buildings and things like that. Yeah, that was and, all uh, Rod Serling's screenplay. Right. Ex- yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, but I think, but I think it was Serling when they said, "Well, the budget's crazy," who suggested taking them back to a more primitive. Well, yeah, state when, of when they cut I the think. budget at Warner Brothers, then they had to take it back, and right. they brought in Michael Wilson, who did like Bridge to the River Kwai, which was also based on a Pierre Pierre Boulle, Boulle, yeah. Pierre Boulle mm-hmm. novel, and he also did like Lawrence of Arabia and uh, It's a Wonderful Life. So he was a very established mm-hmm. Hollywood writer. And he, yeah, he took it back and decided, well, they should be, instead of putting them in big buildings with all oh, these yeah. modern things, they can ride horses and be in huts. And yeah, yeah, that was suddenly, the apes were more primitive. But. Right. Yeah. yeah, very cost effective. Oh, yeah, very much yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> Although they did have to build that ape city, uh, which was, you know, I mean, really interesting look to it. And oh, yeah. uh, certainly nothing like anything anybody had seen in film at that time. Right. And which uh, I know listening to one of the documentaries, the uh, set designer said had been influenced by uh, some sort of uh, like cave city in Turkey. Hmm. And uh, they just took and built like a frame partially out of cardboard, like metal and cardboard and sprayed this urethane foam in it and then removed the cardboard. And that's how they had that that rock appearance. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You would think that if apes, orangutans, etc., evolved, that they'd have their residence in a tree or... More so know, like the latest Planet of the Apes. Like the latest yeah. one did. Yeah. But it was interesting to take that city and be like, well, no, this is, you know, we're going to establish our city thusly. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it just added to the entire... Um, uh, you know, fantastic elements of this yeah. film, in in my opinion. Oh yeah, you know, looking at it, it's yeah. like, wow. Well, you're thinking about the Mego playset, right? 
<laughs> Planet of the Apes Treehouse. Oh. Right. <laughs> I I wish I could visit Ape City. Too bad they tore oh, everything I down. Know. I know. Yeah, it would have been yeah. iconic. I would love to have seen a, a scene with like you know gorilla stone cutters <laughs> yeah. carving a new house. The closest I came to any of that was uh, visiting Bob Burns. Oh, uh, and he's got like a four or five foot model of the the spaceship that they crashed oh, in the first wow. one. Now they made like a full size one out of wood so they could like jump off of it into the water and right. all that. But yeah, they had a, a model of it too. It was like four or five foot. I'll, I'll see if I can dig out the picture. We can post it. But okay. um, yeah, it was amazing. We just walked in. It's like, look, Planet of the Apes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, let me ask you guys this. So um, after having seen Planet of the Apes, um, what did you think? In I mean, because the, the, well, then 2001, mm-hmm. we talked about you would have saw that. Um, what had that kind of a wow effect on you cinematically after Planet of the Apes? Oops. Just counting other Planet of the Apes films, right, which, yeah, sure. which we'll talk sure, about sure. in other podcasts. I mean, I think there were like obviously major jumps in the effects starting with Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So continuing in 2001. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, of course, there was Star Wars. Yeah. So you're that was probably like that was probably year, yeah well yeah. that was almost a ten year gap ten year because yeah. Star Wars was seventy seven mm-hmm. Apes was sixty eight yeah and uh, yeah I think if you're talking about whoa gasping reactions to special effects Star Wars would probably be cause I didn't really gasp at two thousand one it was no, cool that, but yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, I think Star Wars was like the big leap Logan's run was pretty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we no. just talked about that a few episodes. We ago. did, we did. Logan's run. Yeah. Well, I, we were talking about that whole the pan across the city at the beginning yeah. with the domes. That's that's all miniatures. Oh yeah. Like, but that's your reaction ride. to it when you see it. Those like, wow, what a great model. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed by that. Model. I'm impressed by that. It model. looked great in the theater. It doesn't hold up as well now that we've got these high definition. Oh yeah. Yeah. Media now to to look at it, and you can like. Oh yeah, that's clearly a miniature. But yeah, yeah it's still I still enjoy. It. Oh, they they have the same vibe though because I I just recently watched both films for podcasting purposes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think they both uh, hold up as, at least story wise for me. I oh yeah, still enjoy them. Oh yeah. Uh, um, Pla- but Planet of the Apes seems to take its subject matter deadly seriously as right. opposed to. Yes. Well, I think they uh, had to. Logan's run. Yeah, they had yeah. to. And to, to, otherwise, they had to believe. Like, Look at the monkeys. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. They had to believe in order to get the audience to fully buy mm-hmm. in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what about yeah, you, Walker? Like, what do you think uh, after Planet of the Apes? Oh uh, uh, well, I, I guess I wasn't thinking so much as a special effects, but just sort of the the overall um, like vibe. Well, yeah, sort of like the. To me, the thing that's amazing about Planet of the Apes is it feels like a complete world. Like, it, I really buy into the whole thing. And then especially when we get... Right. I know a lot of people don't like Beneath Planet of the Apes, but mm-hmm. I really like the film. I like the fact that they deal with... There are some human survivors that aren't these primitive people. And yeah. you start to understand, like, what actually happened to the planet you know, there was a war and all this other stuff. Like, there's a throwaway line in Planet of the Apes where they say there's no moon. Right. 
It's like, what the hell happened to the moon? Right. <laughs> you know, and well, it blasted like, out of orbit in 1999. So when I think about that kind of thing, like world building and, and completeness, and I do start thinking about Star Wars. And when I saw Star Wars, it was like, wow, there is nothing in this picture that makes me think of like modern Earth. You know, right. it was like, right. this is a real separate universe right. so removes you from reality my touchstone yeah right. well i think even the thing with planet of the apes and especially since they had a low budget uh you know you never saw the spaceship flying through space oh, mm-hmm. right when it was crash landing it's just you get the view from their windshield mm-hmm. and you're looking at so basically they were just doing flybys over mountains and tilting the camera mm-hmm. and then down into the water and then you see the ship like you know poking out of the water so there was that and then just you know keeping it in primitive times and all that but i think the thing that really works is the way they reveal the apes oh because you know they're running through there's something out there and we don't see what it is and they're running through this big corn maze or cornfield and then they look back and all you see are those big sticks Mm -hmm. like whacking down the the corn stalks and then when you see the apes ride in on the horses mm-hmm. and Jerry Goldsmith, who did the the, the music, right. he has that, he said it was a ram's horn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That as soon as they show the first gorilla on horseback, get that ram's horn. And then they just start scooping everybody up and shooting everybody. And then, yeah, I mean, that was like a pretty awesome reveal. Oh, yeah. Especially if you don't, if you hadn't seen anything from the movie before and you just suddenly here they are and they show mm-hmm. up. Right. And I think that was, that really set the tone. Right. And when the whole movie launched off after that. Oh yeah. And they don't dwell on, okay, here's the, ape. look at the ape. Just look at yeah. the ape. There's that one close up and then it's just all hell breaks loose during <laughs> exactly. the hunt, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. Right. You're not going to be laughing at those apes. No, right. right. Yeah. Exactly. That was probably, well, that yeah, probably they, figured into that scene as well. They're so, like mm-hmm. an immediate threat. Yeah. Right, exactly. From the beginning. So. Exactly. And believable. I mean, just yeah. visually, it's just so stunning. Right. And there's layers to that reveal. Like Bob said, the, the ram's horn and, right. and the overall music leading up to that point. The, the music the, is so good. Oh, man. Oh, the Blu ray really. ha- has an audio commentary by just Gary's Go- uh, Jerry Goldsmith. Mm. Wow. I haven't had a chance to watch it with that, mm-hmm. but I thought, man, that would be an amazing commentary, just him talking about the music yeah. and yeah. how he composed it Incredible and that for well, the entire yeah. film. And there were so many unusual musical uh, elements in that mm-hmm. soundtrack. I know I've read that he used like some Brazilian instruments. Mm-hmm. At one point, he was using like pots and pans. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just strange things, but it, it works. I mean, I, I go back and I listen to that soundtrack just... You know, when I'm just doing odd things around the house, I listen to that soundtrack. It's just such a huge well, yeah, soundtrack. CD Japan just had a sale recently, and I picked up the Japanese soundtrack for Planet of the Apes. It has a little suite at the end from, like, Escape. But uh, mm-hmm. I got it for, like, six bucks or something. Oh, but it was, like, beautiful quality, and you can really hear all the different nuances in the in What's the, the difference mm-hmm. from the Japanese version of the film to the American? I think the Japanese version was remastered. So like I say, uh-huh. you hear a lot more detail and a lot uh-huh. more uh, yeah. you know, crisp well, music on that. Lala Land just put out a um, collection of all the film soundtracks oh. in a, a case that looks a lot like, if you guys remember the old DVD case that had the dark blue with the 
different apes in profile and mm. oh, yeah. shit on it. Yeah, the packaging looks very similar to that. That's oh, cool. Nice. The, the music nice. to me was almost like parts of a Western, uh, like uh, primal sounds yes. too, the percussion yeah. and stuff. Right. And it just worked so well together. At times overlapping and at times you're just focusing on you know, single elements of, of the different instruments right. and stuff. Um, lots of fun. Really, really good soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, atonal. And it, give, it give, gives you such an alien yeah. feeling that there's mm-hmm. something. And going back to the, just the way the film is constructed, mm-hmm. after they crash land, that walk through the desert, that they take right. up a, a good amount of screen time just getting them to a point where they discover the humans and then discover the apes. Yes. But there, yeah, there's point, all those yeah. little reveals along the way, though. Right. Like they're in, like, this barren desert, and then suddenly they find a plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And then they realize there's water there, and then they discover the humans. And, right. You know, it's just, it's just yeah. They, and then I, before that, the weird lightning, and then the rock. And the scarecrows. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. scarecrows, yeah. So, the, the crash question. Oh, yes. You guys, who built the scarecrows? I, I thought, thought it was the apes. I, yeah, I thought the apes did it to keep the humans out of like the forbidden zone and all that. Because aren't I those just, like along the forbidden zone? Yeah, they are. But the apes aren't supposed to go in the forbidden zone. I had the same question actually, Karen. Because I I watched it last night again. Yeah. Um, this time I watched it with the commentary with the actors. Ah. Uh, but, but I noticed uh, when they did a close up of one of the scarecrows, it looks like there are pelts on it because they're. Black yes. and orange fur orange. on the scarecrow. Oh, yeah. oh, well, yeah, that's true. Okay, so I'm, listeners, I'm confused, no prize. Like, okay. <laughs> okay, well, let's who get... Built whoever comments on Facebook, Twitter, or the Blogspot page, who built them, you get a famous Planet 8 no prize. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm thinking, like, the humans, they had no tools, and yeah, they had clothes, but they really had no tools or anything they really developed... So I just had assumed that the apes had well, the scarecrows. Well, let's let's get really geeky with it. What go if ahead. it was the mutants? Aha! That's where I was going to go with it. <laughs> that's where I was going to go with it because, I mean, obviously, when they made Planet of the Apes, they had no idea None. if there was going to be a sequel. Right. right yeah. you know, there was no plan for a sequel. But when I watch that movie now, have after having seen Beneath so many times, mm-hmm. when there's that rock slide... And the lightning, I always figure that <gasps> there's that it's a mutant sentry mm. out there oh. just scanning with his mind. So, oh, scare that away. Rock slide, lightning, lightning, scare, scare that thing away. Maybe the scarecrows actually didn't exist. I, I love that you Maybe just they blew were Karen's mind. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Gasp. I love it. I love it. Uh, Gasp. 40 years of watching this film. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to do a little dance around the <laughs> We'll We'll be posting that video later. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Another thing, that's I mean, not to get off. Extra charge. That, that, that's a good point, though. Well, we're talking uh, about the first one, but on um, Beneath, something that dawned on me recently was these mutants had the power of illusion. They could look any way they wanted to look. Right. Why didn't they just project how they wanted to look instead of wearing those sweaty latex masks? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> But anyway, yes. Ask the lawgiver. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> See, even after this many years, there are depths of discovery in that. that right. Right. Well, that's the mark of a good film if you can talk about it and Absolutely. discover new things. You know, Absolutely. forty, fifty years later. I was watching the film this morning, um, 
and the crash scene that really is a great example of more or less is more uh, yeah you right. know yeah. It, it it you felt the tension and the anxiety and it's like oh my god they're crashing and it's disorienting because there are you know outside uh pictures of the of the crash of the uh, planet yeah or, yeah the horizon and stuff but then inside you get like you know, the sky's upside down. It's right. right side up. You don't know which way it's going. And then right. and there it goes into the drink. Well, that's the thing because it's like quick cuts. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. you know, sped up film, tinted right. scenes. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then the splashdown. Or it's just- and then nothing against like Endgame and Captain Marvel where now you see the ship fall apart piece by piece, well, molecule by molecule. Right. right. And, and it is visually stunning and exciting. Sure. But sure. this was a good way to, to yeah. crash a ship without breaking the bank. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, they say nothing's more impressive than what you see in your mind. There you, you know, go. it's right. like, right. you know, you just imagine what's happening and, you know. Well, that's how I am every morning. Wild, you know? I wake up and I'm like, hey, Larry. And then I look in the mirror and I'm like, holy, <laughs> <laughs> who is that man? <laughs> Let me ask you guys this. The other thing that kind of struck me as odd, and I guess they were just trying to do like a futuristic, you know, because this happened in like, we left Earth in 1972. Right. The backpacks. Yeah. The backpacks were these <laughs> yeah. metal, hard. It wasn't contoured to the their backs. Yeah. And they had like seat buckles, belt buckles from yeah. a car to buckle yeah. it. Right. How they was that practical? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. They, they were real men back then. None of right. the sissies that we have today. <laughs> That's right. Um, it, it was just interesting to me, and it's like, okay, that does kind of look futuristic, but damn uncomfortable. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm watching this thing. My my wife's never seen the movie, and she's watching it with me, and she's like, why are they swimming naked? I'm like, well, you know, the water in the top. Well, I would have at least kept my underwear on. Now, look, they're screwed. I'm like, yeah. See, but she was smart because what happened? They stole their clothes and right. now they're buck naked running through the forest. Well, then I said, what about the shoes? I said, I wouldn't care about underwear. I'd care about my shoes. She's like, well, I would have swam with my shoes, too. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, and also, they're swimming in the waters of an alien planet, they think. They don't know what's swimming around in there. That, On well, a microscopic that, level, they can go places. You know, or even a macroscopic. There could have been, like, a lake shark or something in there. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, for the time, though, that was probably kind of risque. Oh, yes. Star oh. like uh, Heston. Well, you know, and it, it there was an Austin Powers moment when they all three get out of the pond oh. <laughs> and they're standing and then oh, yes. one of the astronauts kind of like goes down on one knee right the other astronaut goes down on one knee and the camera level just hits Heston's belly button right had it gone down any further yeah. <laughs> would have gotten more than an R rating then eventually Heston go down on his knee and and they're looking at whatever proper or well if you look at that yeah I mean all, all the tree branches are all strategically placed <laughs> oh yeah uh, oh, very much so yeah. yeah there was you know Great cinematography in that one. Yeah. <laughs> Other than the courtroom scene, there's that one shot oh, yeah. where they just they strip him naked in the, in yep. the court. That's, yeah. That's I was true. watching one of the specials on Blu-ray, and <clears throat> Charlton Heston was talking about that scene, and he said that was like his first nude scene he'd ever done, <laughs> and uh, he said between takes there was some woman from the, like the catering department or something, and she walked through and just looked over and at him and said, nice buns. <laughs> All I have to say is I'm glad they didn't have cell phones back then. <laughs> right. You know, the funny thing is, too, though, watching that, you know, he's running around. He's a, a tall man. Yeah. And back then, I'm sure he was considered to be like he had a good physique. 
But of course, nowadays you have to be totally shredded and ripped. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. People would look at him now and say, "Wow, that guy's kind of out of shape." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, I don't know. The pr- perspective is so totally different. No, that's true. Oh yeah, yeah. What? Look at uh, uh, George Reeves' Superman. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, wow, fat Superman is like what? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> Adam West, yeah, that's that's a beef eating Superman. Adam West, that's right. Adam West, yeah, that's right. He said that man. <laughs> Whereas Linda he... Carter's just fine as Wonder Woman even today. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. There you go. Um, should we talk about the the main characters? I think we should. Why, why don't you start us off? Karen? Except they okay. cut out his brain. Damn them. <laughs> You bloody baboon! <laughs> do you want to? Do we want to start with Taylor then, since we've already been sure. talking about yeah, Charlton yeah. Heston? Yeah. yeah, Taylor was like a pretty surly guy at the beginning. He was, oh, and he like you know, he was disenchanted with Earth. He left basically everyone behind to go on this mission. Then I think he kind of changes over the course of the movie. Oh yeah, I think the apes actually humanize him, but. At least Zira and Cornelius. No. Yeah. Well, it's it's an amazing arc in that he leaves basically hating humanity, mm-hmm. looking for something better, and he finds the the apes, and he is kind of stunned by their brutality. Then he finds the civilization before when in that cave, and actually starts to defend humankind right. until the end when he realizes. Kablooey. I was, I was right, right all along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was right all along. Yeah. I like, I actually, I love how they played out to the very end, and it worked so well. I mean, right. very few films in history have the grandeur of the ending that this film had. Classic shock ending. They yeah. kept it, you know, what planet is this? How could a planet have developed right. apes as the intelligent life form and blah, blah, blah? There was a great cable show called Mad Men. And uh, Don Draper was the mm-hmm. main character, mm-hmm. and he takes oh, his son Bobby to go see Planet of the Apes. It was a period piece, took place oh, back yeah. in the fifties yeah, and sixties. Right. And and they're watching Planet of the Apes, and and the kids' eyes are just wide open through the whole film. And the film ends, and they don't show the film, but you hear Heston, "Damn you all yeah. to hell!" And the little kid just looks into his dad and says, "Jesus." <laughs> <laughs> that kind of sums up. Yes. Yes. You feel at the end of this film, it's like that's right. Still iconic. I mean, and that that is classic Rod Serling. Yeah, that was all his ending. idea. That, yeah. that is one of the few things they kept from his yeah. script, I think. Yeah, because well, in the yeah. novel, they make it back to Earth. I mean, uh, right, right. right. They make no, it back yeah. to Earth, and they're at Mission Control, and they come off the rocket, and uh, or on the spaceship, they come off, and all the control people are from. NASA are all apes. Apes, right. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, it's happened, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it does yeah, show that it was like two separate worlds, yeah, two yeah. separate planets. Right. Well, it's... But Heston, yeah, Heston's one basically did the opposite. It showed that it was all one planet. All know, one he was, planet. He right. was home all the time. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, the novel more or less makes it seem like this is the trajectory of evolution throughout... Yeah the universe for right. all for all intelligent species it's, yeah it's strange yeah. the novel is very very different obviously uh, yeah extremely yeah. different what were you saying karen oh i was just gonna say well just a couple things i guess yeah 
you know, thinking about Heston, it's like, I, I liked that performance. I know it's kind of broad. It, it was a different time and his acting style was very different from what people accept nowadays. But I thought he really sold that ending. You know, he was, oh, yeah. Like you guys are talking about, you know, he has this arc where he's kind of this misanthrope at the beginning. Then he has to basically defend humanity. And then, yeah, he's just devastated at the end, you know, falling on his knees and, and all that. And I, I thought he did a great job with that. You know? I, I think I mean, he's an iconic actor, though. I, mean, I wouldn't oh, yeah. say, oh, yeah. I mean, he was Moses, you know, right. as well as Taylor. And- <laughs> no, before that, he was Moses. But after that, he was in. Soylent Green and I the Omega Man. I was just going to say. I mean, yeah. He, yeah. He, he, he was in the first sense around movie, but mm-hmm. by right. God. <laughs> so did, did Planet of the Apes almost uh, kind of stereotype him for for a time as this post-apocalyptic hero? Or hmm. revived his career. Or even both. Because, I mean, he had... Both. When was, when was uh, the Ten Commandments? Oh, geez. Uh, like, oh, 30s, 40s, something? No, 50s. I think. No, it was oh, in the 50s. Uh, 50s, yeah. okay. So he hadn't really done anything much. Yeah, over a decade at least. Yeah, smaller until films. this, and then yeah, and then I guess he, you know they latched on to him as close to pop because he guy. when did he win a he won an Oscar for Ben Hur right oh well, Ben he, he he still his name still carries but some Ben Hur was think. before sure. right? that was yeah I, I don't think so. they got him like at a cut rate because he was like a has been or anything like yeah. that I I think yeah, they were like oh was, my God we got Charlton Heston you know. Yeah. Oh, and the film wouldn't have been made without without his yeah. being attached. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because he really pushed it, yeah. I had read somewhere, and I now am half believing I, I dreamt it, <laughs> because I can't find I have moments collaboration like anywhere. <laughs> but I had heard that the first big name to be attached to it was J- uh, Jack Lemon. He was going to be the Taylor role. Really? Hmm. Yeah, from the original Odd Couple, and because yeah, yeah. he played such a good everyman, and they wanted to put an everyman in that. Wouldn't situation. he have been a, well? I guess he wouldn't have been that old then, but not no six. No, yeah, he was. Yeah, because yeah. um, when did the Odd Couple, the movie, come out? That was around sixty sixty nine. I right? want to say sixty nine, maybe like even that. seventy. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And and he and Mathai were still relatively right. young. Right. So here, here's a, a off-subject, slightly story. First time I met Hiroko Sakurai, who played Fuji in Ultraman, she claimed I looked like Jack Lemon. Really? <laughs> and then, years later, when we did Godzilla Fest, uh, Akira Kubo, like, I took a picture with Akira Kubo and Hiroshi Koizumi, and I was in the middle. And then Bob had got it printed overnight, and I took it for them to sign. Mm. And Akira Kubo looks at me in the picture and goes, Jack Lemon. <laughs> so it was like two Japanese actors, well, like seven years apart or whatever. Don't don't take Jack this Lemmon the wrong way, but there's a, a scene in the film where uh, they're trying to put Taylor and uh, uh, Nova into the back of the uh, cart to get him to escape. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to wear this. It smells terrible. Yeah. She says, damn it, Taylor, put it on. To you, uh, apes, you all look the same. Yeah. So the Japanese, you look like Jack Lemon. <laughs> oh, well, I was hoping it was the young Jack Lemon and not the old Jack Lemon. But... You might be able to run a pretty good scam in Japan. Yeah, there you very... go. <laughs> but, no, but I mean, that brings us back to the commentary of Planet of the Apes and the fact that they were using the apes and all that sort of as a commentary of right. what's 
what was going on at that time. Oh, yeah. Right. Whether oh, it was yeah. the prejudices mm-hmm. that were going on at the right. time. Right. You know, even like the uh, the whole, you know, communist thing back in the 50s where they mm-hmm. were trying to find out who was communist, whatever, the trials mm-hmm. they were having back then. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so there was, it was supposed to be, be a straightforward action movie, whatever. And I don't think a lot of that was in the original novel. That was all kind of Arthur Jacobson. And I think mm-hmm. not so much Rod Sterling, but I think it was more Michael Wilson that mm-hmm. did that. Yeah. Cause oh, the, yeah. the primary, the, the novels primary message seemed to be against apathy against human apathy, because the way that, uh, well, it's kind of mirrored in the sequels, the way the apes come to dominance is, there's the virus, kills cats and dogs, mm-hmm. the apes become servant slaves, da da da, da. Mm-hmm. But instead of a violent revolt, there comes a day where humans are just so docile, mm-hmm. and apes are so intelligent, the roles just flip. Right. And there doesn't even, there there is no, uh, is no reason for a violent overthrow. Mm-hmm. Humans are just too dumb to do anything, and apes have been doing it all for so long. That they accept their role as right pets, animals. Yeah. Well, that was sort of in the in the later movies too. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that was Escape from Planet of the Apes, where uh, Zira and uh, and Cornelius have a son. Right. And it gets killed on the Caesar. boat at the end, but it turns out she has swapped it with the right. chimp mm-hmm. in the in the zoo. Yep. And then that one, which is Caesar. Right grows up and leads the whole revolt against the humans and right. turns this into, you know, right. Planet of the Apes. But and well, it was yeah, Caesar and it was Caesar, I think, that they in the remakes, like Rise and Dawn and Oh yes, War, it's all Caesar. It was all Caesar. There was yeah. no Cornelius or any of that. So. No, no, yeah. 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 Uh I love the new films. Oh, they're so great. It was yeah. you know, I was I didn't like the Tim Burton Oh, no. No, I didn't like the Tim Burton one. Even though the ending was much closer to the novel. Mm -hmm. But it was. Yeah, I I wasn't into that. But then when when Rise and Dawn and War came out, you know, War kind of took a little step back. But I think I thought it was a great trilogy, though. How the hell did Woody Harrelson become such a (laughs) fixture in all of these genre films? He's in every damn film. He is. And in my humble opinion, he's not that good of an actor. But anyway, I digress. He, I, he did a good job with this with this role. That you 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 accept him as a hard ass, and then you kind of feel for him. I don't know. If I saw him in public, I think I could take him down. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Back to characters, Karen. Why don't you lead us into the next character we shall examine? Well, I think the next character that's really of major importance is Doctor Zira. Because she yes, has yes. the strongest relationship. I mean, we can talk about Dr. Zeus, but um, Dr. Zira is the one that makes the connection with Taylor. And and played by the iconic actress. Kim Hunter. Kim Hunter. Hunter. That's right. right. And, you and know, it's and not it's, Taylor, it's Bright Eyes. <laughs> Bright Eyes. <laughs> Initially. Yes, well, it, it's funny because, you know, the makeup is so good, but you hear the voice, you look at the eyes, and it's yes. like, that's who that is. Yeah. You know, that's right, that's same right. with Roddy McDowell. Right. Uh, you know, you, you catch on to it. But go ahead, Walker. Well, it's funny you say that, Larry, because uh, on the uh, commentary, Kim Hunter was saying that after a while, she couldn't remember what Roddy looked like. 
Wow. She, she said she got so used to seeing him in the makeup that she would think of him as Cornelius. How well, the funny. The funny thing in that makeup test uh-huh. that Karen was talking about, Zero was played by um, Linda Har- Harrison. Right. But, mm-hmm. Or was it? Linda, Linda Harrison. Uh, Harrison, yeah. yeah. Who went on to play Nova. Right. But she was playing Zero in the uh Oh, for the, the test? Oh, the oh test, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Test movie. Ah, interesting. Wasn't she married to one of the executives or something? That's how she got I think that she involved. Was yeah, she was only like Sam. 22 or something in the movie. Ooh, what was that, Karen? Role. I said she was dating Richard Zanuck. Oh, oh okay. Richard Zanuck. Century Fox. Okay, okay. I, I knew there was some connection there. I got this actress for you. <laughs> <laughs> She's 22 kid. years old. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Zira is uh, a great character. And a str- when you think about it, you know how rare were strong female characters back then? I was going to say yes, but still yeah. a strong female character, Eight, right? Or otherwise, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And and um, the only one in that film, right? Yes. That, well, she so. even seemed to have power amongst the apes. Yeah, she was respected because yeah, she's was, like ordering the guards around, right? And, and they were when, listening to when her. Taylor first writes that note, "My name is Taylor" or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's like, you know, get me a leash, you know, and she takes him out. You know, it wasn't like, right. let me get permission to take this person out. Of here, wow. you know? Right. Wow. Even in one of the first scenes where you see her, one of her fellow doctors is complaining to her, mm-hmm. saying, well, you, you do okay for getting equipment and lab space, and I'm here doing right. this with the humans. Yeah. You know, so yeah, she's in a privileged position in that in that society. And she has Dr. Zayas's ear. Yes, that's so right. So that's something, because he's, you know, up there and, up there, and yeah. pretty unapproachable. Right. So. Yeah. Minister of Science and Chief Defender of the Day. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. There's, there's no contradiction there. No. Right. I know. I love that. That is, <laughs> that's such a wonderful touch to put in there. You know, yeah. the, the thing is, with all the elements of this film and all the commentary, uh, social commentary, it, it's kind of sad that it's still relevant today. Oh. Y- you know. Maybe even more so. Or so. Maybe even more so. Or so. Yeah. Um. But anyway, let's, but it, let's, it's, it's a sign of a great movie. It's a sign of a great. It story. is a sign of a classic, right? Yeah. Movie. And the interesting thing about her is she is the one who is so doggedly determined to get to the truth of this situation. Mm-hmm. True. You know, she wants to know. You know, where is Taylor from? Why can he talk? What's going on? Whereas Cornelius, who I also dearly love, great mm-hmm. performance. Cornelius is the one who's more hesitant. Right. You know, he's the one saying, well, you know, we've got great futures ahead of us. Let's not screw this up. But he's the one who's been out digging in the forbidden zone. So right. it's kind right. of ironic that he's the one saying, well, let's not push this. Well, how, but again, how, an, another great character, right? Right. All right. I'm, yeah. I'm wondering how much of that is him trying to protect them from, quote unquote, heresy. And her just saying, no, the, the truth needs to be, she's without fear. Right. 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 And mm-hmm. and whether that's right or wrong, good or bad is beside the point. Yeah, yeah. She is without fear. The truth is the truth, damn it. And we right. need to know what that is. Oh, yeah. We yeah. shouldn't be afraid of it. We should confront it and then, you know, move forward. Right. And well, she, she drags Cornelius into that realization. She does. Yeah. Right. Eventually he acquiesces and, and realizes, right. Yeah. Is, but see, like, I think Zira... And Zeus are like two separate ends of the spectrum. Yeah, because she's trying oh, yeah. to unearth oh, yeah. the truth, and he knows. He already knows more than 
he's letting on right. Right. and he's trying to compress mm-hmm. the truth yeah. and uh and then cornelius is just kind of in between the two yeah right right you know? so cornelius is kind of like the the needle going mm-hmm. between two each two you know which way is he going to finally point which way is he going to actually go good point but yeah well, well let's what about go, go ahead. i was going to say let's get into dr yeah. zayas because even at the end zayas says tells taylor he goes you know just you might not like you what you're gonna find like right you know so and he even knows what's going on when the guards chase after he's like stop stop come back yeah. don't you know let him go let him go let him go it's pointless he's yeah. gonna he's gonna face his reality right he's gonna you know come and to his truth while also destroying all the evidence of what was found in the cave if, right and yeah. Basically saying that Cornelius is zero. You're going. You're going for trial. You're going for trial, and I'm yeah. sorry, but that's the way it has to be. Right. So if we hadn't had, if we hadn't had the sequels, mm-hmm. and Planet of the Apes was just a one shot, does that mean that more, uh, more likely than not, Cornelius and Zero were going to be executed? Found not, guilty and not executed? executed because the the I think the point was you can either face execution or heresy and imprisonment for two years. Was really? That's what I saw it this morning. That's what I heard him. Oh my god! Telling I don't him. remember that, but that's fantastic. Yeah, okay. it, it was like you know, th- this is what you're up against. Okay, okay. And I think had this been the only film, that that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, what was the kid's name? Was it Milo? Lucius. 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 Lucius yeah. And he says, "Don't trust anyone over 30. Right. I I would like to believe that Lucius and his friends would have eventually. If if not Lucius's generation, one generation would push for that truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Because mm-hmm. Lucius didn't go in the cave, so That's he didn't right. see That's what right. they saw, but he knew there was something in that cave. Right, right. So I, it's almost as as societies progress, they kind of leave the myths behind yeah. and try to seek out the truths. You know, it's interesting because most major cities in the United States, at least have these uh like seattle famously has the underground city mm-hmm. there are parts of san francisco that shows what the city was before they built the sewer systems mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. above it and what did we leave behind mm-hmm. what what uh you know parts mm-hmm. of society got covered up right. you know um it would be interesting i you know i've never been in any of those uh locations but it'd be interesting to see uh, what I was told is there's a lot of gambling establishments and brothels. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, exactly. okay, well. But those uh, haven't been left behind. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they moved to different cities. That's right. They have just evolved. Right. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, there were so many good uh, commentaries in this film on society, on the dangers of nuclear uh, proliferation. Oh, right, right. right. Um, you alluded to the Cold War, the, the war with the Russians right. and everything else. Um, I don't know. I, what, what do you think, Karen? If if this was the only film, how do you see things kind of – where would Taylor have gone? What what would have happened to Lucius and Dr. Zayas and so forth? What what would your take be on it? No, so I think if it was, if it was the only film, I could imagine Taylor eventually – picking up the pieces and probably going off with Nova and maybe, I don't know, trying to start start a community somewhere. And I think you, you're, or you're walking right. off into the ocean and saying, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you think his disdain for humanity would have made him not want to procreate? Or do you think well, he would have? You know, 
know, it's it's hard to say, but I think uh, it's a pretty. What is he going to do? Throw himself off a cliff? I mean, he could. Right. Who knows? I mean, yeah. Um, although I know that they have filmed the scene where Nova was pregnant. Right. Oh. And mm-hmm. they decided not to use it because it would have diminished the impact of. Uh, well, it all, right. also would have taken the film off into a totally different direction, and yeah. there's a whole storyline yeah. that suddenly yeah. right. they would have to deal with. But. And it was just too hopeful a sign <laughs> for the end of that movie, you know. Yeah. I think, but I think, yeah, you, you know, this this idea that the, the truth will out, right? And right. that's, yeah. you know, eventually some generation is going to, of apes is going to want to know what happened. Right. And that's why it's, I mean, Zeus is a great antagonist. He's not really a villain because he's doing what he thinks is right. Right, right. right. He's, he's trying to protect his people. He thinks, oh, if they find this out, it's going to be devastating and, you know, we're not going to survive this. So he's he's trying to keep this from them. So he's not really a bad guy. And this whole thing like, you know, I've, I've always you know known you were going to show up and I've dreaded it. Um, this has been his nightmare, you know, so uh-huh. in some level he's sympathetic. Well, um, well, for him, it's like humans are wasteful and self-destructive and, and apes are not. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, apes don't wage war against apes and they don't waste their resources and right. all that. So he's trying, yeah, he's trying to protect them from going down that path that, right. that the humans obviously fail in that. And, you know, this just dawned on me, but the apes gained intelligence because they became domesticated and learned. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in Planet of the Apes where Marcus, the head of the guards, asks Zayas, I don't understand, what is she trying to prove? And he says that humans can be domesticated. Mm-hmm. So is he thinking mm-hmm. she's touching on exactly the thing that could destroy our civilization within the next hundred years? Right. Domesticating humans, they'll learn they're violent, they'll overthrow us. Right. That's uh, a that, good point. It just kind of dawned on me that that was one of her goals was to see if humans could be domesticated. Yeah. And even today, yeah. we're going through that with artificial intelligence. and Oh. And, oh. Uh, like, right. well, that, when, when is that going to take over? You know? Right, right, right. That's a Terminator right. film. We'll have to cover that in a different <laughs> podcast. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. you know, you're always concerned who's going to replace you, right? People of always course. have fears about that, whether it's AI is going to replace you or some other group of people are going to replace you. It's well, that's the thing. Are you creating that which is going to replace you? Mm-hmm. That's the cycle of nature. When you have kids, you're creating that which I was going to say, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Right? That's, yeah. right? That's part of the deal. Yeah. And, you know, go, there is? go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say there is that nice scene between um, Heston and uh, Morris Evans. It's Zayas, where they they talk very frankly about you know the situation, and it's like, wow, that was a heavy scene, you know, where Zayas yeah. just tells him, "This is what I'm going to have done to you," and, and I, you know, you terrify me, and right. and this why, and if you confess, I won't have, I won't do this to you. Just tell me where your people are, and and you know, we can stop this right now. And Heston is just like, you know, Taylor's steadfast, like I'm telling you the truth, you know. Yeah. Do you think Heston, had he done that, Heston would have been, Taylor would have been safe? Or do you think Zayas would have done it anyway? He didn't have anything to tell. He might have done it anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He still would have. If he had something to tell, I I think 
he was fried yeah. any, either way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Morris Evans, he does an excellent job as A.S. Oh, absolutely. I think it's oh, better than if, if Edward G. Robinson had continued and become yeah. A.S. But do you know what you know what his other role was, right? Around the same time. Hmm. Yes, I do. Well, I, can't remember the TV. Name. I can't remember the name of the oh, character. Oh, Bewitched. The Puzzler. He was the oh, Puzzler well, yeah. in Batman. Yeah. But yeah, he was also in Bewitched. He was... Uh, Uncle but, somebody, yeah. right? That was, was Paul up? Lynn, wasn't it? Well, no, was sorry. Lawrence. Paul <laughs> Lynn was there, too. But yeah, Paul Lynn is Dr. Zayas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maurice Evans was in there. This is Dr. Zayas. Right. Yeah, That's well, yeah, the Puzzler was the replacement for the Riddler because... Gorshin couldn't do an episode, right? Or something mm-hmm. like that, I thought. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Gorshin did it, and then John Aston was Aston the Riddler one, for a yeah. while. Oh, yeah. And then I think they brought the Puzzler in after both of those. but Possibly, yeah. That might be it. Yeah. But Maurice Evans, he was probably playing the Puzzler like just before or during Planet mm-hmm. of the Apes, because yeah, right. Batman was on 66, 67, 68, and I think the Puzzler had come in in 68. Mm. Right. Right. So... You know, um, in talking about uh, what would have happened to Caesar had this been a one-shot going off and doing a colony, when the studio said, hey, Apes is popular, we got to do a sequel, the first uh, concept for a sequel is going to be called Planet of Men. And Caesar and Nova, I mean Caesar, (laughs) Taylor (laughs) Taylor and uh, Nova go off and found a colony. Huh. Of intelligent humans that then overthrow the apes, huh. and I think I think the script is probably out there on the internet somewhere. Wow. But the final scene of the sequel was going to be a human circus, and the announcer was going to was going to announce the most uh, intelligent ape in captivity, Doctor Zaius, <laughs> and <laughs> Zaius is going to be naked in a cage, and they're going to say. Say something, doctors. Tell us your name. And he's going to shrug and just kind of mumble, Zaius. Huh. And that was going to be the end of the movie. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. they went with the, one of the wildest concepts. Yeah. <laughs> Beneath the Planet of the Apes is such a crazy just... Worshipping it is. It's so funny, too, because, you know, they end the movie, spoiler alert, with, you know, letting off the bomb. Right. It was very popular. We need a third film. You need a what? Yeah, right. We just blew it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, figure out a new film. Uh, okay. Now, uh, ape astronauts, time travel. Okay. We just so ended. is it is it just me, or did Escape really have the feeling of like a TV movie? Um, when you watch it, it's like, it doesn't really seem like a theatrical film. It seemed more like a, a TV movie of the week back in the day. Well, the budget was Well, the budget was cut, cut with each yeah, movie. Back, yeah, yeah. It wasn't enormous in the first film, but then they cut right. it each film, and yeah. Right. By the time they got to battle, it was, yeah, yeah. forget it. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it does have that, it does have that feel to it, whereas Conquest doesn't. Battle again, Battle does. Battle feels like a TV right, movie yeah. again. But Conquest doesn't. It's got, there's something about that film that just, it feels like it's got this scope, even again, on a lesser budget. Well, yeah, well, see, because Escape doesn't have much scope at all, because it's all taking place no, right. in offices and on ships. And, mm-hmm. Right, right. The, on sets, basically. Grape yeah. Juice yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus. Grape Juice Plus, <laughs> right, yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, it's interesting, too, is the animated series was like, uh, Frank was saying, the the novel. Uh, yeah. They're in airplanes and, yeah. and driving cars, and, and there's like an ape society that... Right mirrors human society today or at the time. Well, it's, I mean, Rod Sterling's script 
in his screenplay, and it's in the uh, Planet of the Apes Visionaries graphic novel, which is mm-hmm. based on his screenplay. They didn't have crosswalks. All the cars would go by, but the apes were all going on like monkey bars right. over, <laughs> right. over the streets and over the traffic, yeah. which actually makes sense because you don't need like traffic lights and right. pedestrians don't get hit or whatever. You just you know jump up on the monkey bars and right. off you go across the street. Yeah, I don't think a film like Escape from the Planet of the Apes could be released today because as soon as they test marketed that thing with the kind of really cute atmosphere that it sets up in the beginning and right. everyone being shot. The wind, right. <laughs> you the know, it's like, like... They, they would have changed the ending. Well, yeah, shoot, shooting way. their baby at the end, even though it wasn't oh their baby. Yeah. So, yeah, that was pretty brutal. He's on that the, was, right. You know. I wonder if that was a G or PG rating. PG. Or was it GP? G, GP, <laughs> GP, probably at the time, right? Yeah. yeah but, I, think, I think it was GP. Yeah. yeah. But that introduced Caesar, and Caesar carried on in conquest and battle. Yeah. And Caesar was the main ape in the in the reboot. In the re yeah, yeah. He's now the iconic. It wasn't it wasn't Cornelius, yeah. it was Caesar. Yeah. Who was played by Roddy McDowell. Right. And he went on to play Galen in the in T V series. series. Yeah, that's right. So he was like he wasn't in the cartoon, but he was he was throughout the whole classic. Yeah. Right. Except for one. Roddy McDowell was right. not in beneath for the, the Right. Movie. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. It was another actor. But yeah, yeah, so he carried on the tradition, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for, as for Rise of the Planet of the Apes, it was brilliant of them to basically start with Caesar's story and go on yeah. instead of trying to do... You know, that wasn't ori- was not originally supposed to be a Planet of the Apes movie. It was just a movie that some guy come up with a script where this guy's developing an Alzheimer's drug and he tests it on an ape or on a chimp and uh, it gives him a boost boosted mentality and all that. And once it got to 20th Century Fox, 20th Century Fox said, well, we own Planet of the Apes. Why don't yeah. you make it a Planet of the Apes movie? And then it took off from there. Wow, but, if you want, you know, it, but if you watch it, it really doesn't fit in with Planet of the Apes. It's, no. I think they have a couple throwaway lines like, it's a madhouse, a madhouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, they, they do a lot of fans. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was supposed to be just a, some standalone movie, science. Oh, yeah gone wrong type film well that's the way i look but, at yeah. it i don't see it as a prequel to the planet of the apes yeah I, at all yeah, I, don't, I, I don't i don't think it is no well, I, I think I once you either. know once they went in that direction and went through war war kind of leads you up to the point where the classic classic films could start kind of does yeah, yeah. so it's, it's almost like yeah this is how this whole that whole thing happened even I, to where caesar where caesar led the ape. It's not really spoiler alert, but okay. where Caesar led the apes mm-hmm. at the end of war, is that the lagoon? To me, that looked like the lagoon where Ape City from the original Planet of the Apes it could be. was. Although yeah, that's supposed to be New York, and this is California, right? Well, it, to me, it's almost like the J.J. Abrams uh, Kelvin universe, right? Exactly. In Star Trek. That's exactly. that's how I saw those films. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, I I I can't sandwich the two yeah in in my mind it just doesn't work exactly yeah it's even like the the movies took place in new york the tv series took place like around santa monica and universal city (laughs) well yeah universal studios but yeah well there's one episode where they're trapped in a bart station yeah right yeah yeah so yeah it's all west coast stuff on that yeah right west coast and the tv series i I remember the i don't remember where the cartoon supposedly took place oh detroit 
No, I'm like just Rome. kidding. <laughs> it kind of looked like Rome, yeah. right? With the architecture that they use there. They didn't really, yeah, say. They didn't say. One way or the other. But Nova was in the cartoon, wasn't she? He, I think Nova was in the cartoon and she spoke. Was, sure. was the character named Nova? Well, it's been yeah. so long. I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, same kind of thing. They land on this planet of the apes. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. yeah they, they discover Nova and she can talk. And isn't it three teenagers? Uh, in the, in three the cartoon. I don't know if they're teenagers. They're yeah, you know. but there's a Young. yeah. There's the white guy, the black guy, and the woman. Yeah, yeah. right, right. And uh, and who designed that cartoon? Filmation. Doug Wildey. Oh. Who designed Johnny Quest? Oh. And yeah, I, I there is a lot that, of yeah. there's a lot of similarity. And the Godzilla there, cartoon right? and whatever, but yeah, it was yeah. Doug Wildey who yeah. came up with all the the character designs and and the whole thing. Okay. Okay. But, and that whole, the whole, I always thought that was like a really dark opening for a kid's car Saturday morning cartoon. Because it's like, you see the apes are all looking spooky and they show the scarecrows and all that. And, and the ape fist. Yeah, yeah ape fist yeah, pounding right. down. And, and of course, the iconic Ted Knight narration of you know, oh, Return yeah. to the Planet of the Apes. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, the cartoon wasn't quite that dark, but whoever did that opening, yeah, right. that was pretty cool. Right. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Well, my friends, uh, we're coming up towards the end of our podcast. We're going to do a round robin. Let's go up to the satellite. Karen, any last thoughts, words, recommendations with regards to the Planet of the Apes film? Well, uh, I think I would just say that obviously it's an idea that still resonates with a lot of people. Mm. Obviously with us. I don't know. We'll see what the <laughs> listeners have to say. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of great stuff still coming out about Planet of the Apes. A lot of great books and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I would recommend, if you're a big Planet of the Apes fan, um, J.W. Rensler's put out a lot of books on movies like Star Wars in the past, and he did a big book on Planet of the Apes that goes over the whole making of the first film and there's a ton of photographs in there so didn't you do a censor sweep on that in an earlier episode i think uh, i don't know if we did or not but uh because i can't remember who knows well, but it's it's a really <laughs> if you did book. you should post the link to resources if you're into it but um i think it just has so many cool elements right there's the time travel there's mm -hmm. the apes the mutants and the nuclear stuff and mm -hmm. the allegory. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's endlessly entertaining, right? Definitely. Mm -hmm. I, I think we should post a link if if possible. Uh, so you I guys keep an eye open. I want to say it was one open. of the early episodes that she did that. But okay. We'll have to go back and look. Mr. Bob. I could have been dreaming. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I may mean, be I'll, dreaming right now. Right. I, always, I always loved these movies. I always wanted to go back and do the Go Ape. Mm. Where they uh, oh, basically yeah. after Film. shortly after Battle was released, they released the Go Ape yep. marathon where you had to go in the movie theater and just sit through all my five movies in one sitting. Mm. I and did it at the drive-in. Oh, go. nice! Yeah. All night. <laughs> and uh, no, I mean, like I say, just being so impressed by the makeup and all that when I first saw it, and I'm still impressed with it today. Yes, and. Uh, then, you know, this whole conversation where we're still discovering new things and talking about the concepts and how they still relate today, you mm -hmm. know, maybe more so than than even before. Um, that's it's an eternal film, basically. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. Great, thought-provoking classic. Uh, if you haven't read the novel, I highly suggest to read the novel and kind of compare and contrast mm-hmm. uh, the treatment of essentially the same idea, the way they treated it in the film, the way they treated it in the novel. And um, Boom Studios Comics did a, an amazing series of graphic novels that take you from, uh, I believe it's 2,000 years before Taylor lands mm. up until the day he lands. It kind of and it kind of patches together this history of the ape world up until that moment and gets more in-depth with Dr. Zayas and what he knows and how he found out. It explains what happened to the moon. <laughs> it's, it's this really great series. I can't recommend those enough because they really fit the canon so perfectly and it's like it's like planet of the apes prequels that were never made mm. and they're really well done mm. but uh yeah the the film is is a true classic and it's a classic for a reason we're it still is. talking about it for a reason it's just a great great film well the fact that you can take a series of five movies a remake and a remake trilogy or reboot mm-hmm. And just spend a whole episode talking about the first movie. Yeah. That says a lot. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Well, and let me tell you guys, we, we still got a ton of things we could talk about this film. We didn't get into all the actors. We didn't, we didn't even touch on Roddy McDowell. But oh, time career, constraints yeah. being what they are, yeah. we'll have to save that for another episode. Right. Um, it is that part of our podcast where we have our censor sweep. I'm going to kick it over to Chief Engineer Bob, and he and Lord Bloodraw will be discussing some local uh, shenanigans happening uh, <laughs> near and uh, near the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Chief Engineer. Well, August 23rd, 24th, 25th, which will probably be uh, very shortly after this episode comes out. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this on the podcast before, but we are doing Godzilla Fest. Yes. With 12 movies over three days on two screens. And we have definitely confirmed Michael Doherty, the writer director of Godzilla King of the Monsters, as our guest. Which was not and the last. Uh, he will, well, I think I said we're trying. Trying. But now we have, no, yeah. we have secured him and uh, he will be there all three days. And uh, I think, you know, he's just as big a fan as anyone else. So I think he just wants to be there just to see the movies and mm. take in the atmosphere. But he'll, Mingle with everybody and Saturday night he'll do a uh, intro and a Q and A to cool. his film, and uh, that will all be uh, done by our host on Friday Saturday night. I'll hand it over to Lord Bloodraw. Yes, I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be this is going to be fun. I haven't hosted a film festival in quite some time. <laughs> yeah, Friday and Friday night. I'm I'm looking forward to Saturday night. I'm looking forward to the special showing of Godzilla King of the Monsters with direct writer and director Michael Doherty, but Two of my favorite films are playing Friday night. Frankenstein Conquers the World and War of the Gargantuas. Yes. And to see both of these on the big screen and host them. Mm. I am so looking forward to this. Yeah. I haven't seen War of the Gargantuas on the big screen since I was a kid and I was yeah. a driver. Love, love that movie. <laughs> yeah, so the thing, the thing I love about that night, and I'm, I always pat myself on the back about it, is you've got we've got two screens going. So one screen is the classic 1971 double feature of Monster Zero and War of the Gargantuas, both dubbed in English. The other screen is Frankenstein Conquers the World and what is actually its sequel, 
or the gargantuas. And those will both be in Japanese with subtitles because they cut out the connection between the twos when they dubbed them. Mm. So you'll be able to see the actual connections and everything else and how one leads to the other. Uh, so, yeah, you can, if you want to go in, and they both start at about the same time, so you can go in and choose between Frankenstein Conquers the World and Monster Zero, and then you can choose between dubbed or subbed War of the Gargantuas. So Cool. It'll be a blast. Fantastic. I'm, so. I'm looking forward to this. I'm excited. Well, I'm looking forward to that and the popcorn and the beer. Yes, they do <laughs> sell beer at Very Balboa. Good. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, BayAreaFilmEvents.com is the link for information and tickets and everything else so check it out yes yeah looking forward to that and uh also if you're a universal horror fan and i'm sure you all are yeah uh saturday august 31st at the chenard winery this is the final show of my anniversary season at the chenard winery i've been doing this for 10 years now wow at the chenard winery and uh what we do is we have uh, a wine tasting, and you can purchase wine. We have tables and chairs. It's an outdoor show. Mm-hmm. You bring a picnic, buy your wine, sit there, enjoy your wine and picnic, and then on the stage, we present a film live. And uh, coming up on the 31st, we're doing a double feature, the classic The Wolfman, followed by Frankenstein meets The Wolfman. Wow. So that's going to be that's gonna be a fun night, and uh, it's been a blast. I, uh, the Chenard Winery is the first place that i ever hosted it's the birthplace of lord blood rock mm. that's the first place that i i ever hosted a film and i'm still doing it now after uh, that, that's where they dug years. you up right uh, lord that's blood rock. where they dug me up that's right that's right yeah well i'll tell you uh listeners i am giving up the celebration of the 75th anniversary of the mai tai at trader vicks in emeryville oh they're, they're doing a show that night i will be at lord blood Raw's uh, Universal Monster double feature at the Chenard Winery. Well, maybe so. you could host that and I'll go to the nah. Mai <laughs> <laughs> Deal. No. Uh, so if you listeners make it out there, keep an eye out for, uh, I'm not sure if Chief Engineer Bob's going to make it out there. Chief Engineer Bob and Ensign Debbie are heading for the Sun Kings in Redwood City. Uh-huh. Beatles tribute band on the evening of the Beatles. Be, so. be on the lookout for the big man with the Planet 8 t-shirt. I'll be there with Ensign Jasmine. <laughs> oh, and uh, it's, it's a great time. I promotions soon. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it should be a Lieutenant Debbie and Lieutenant Jasmine. One, one of these days we need to figure out how to fix our transporter and bring Karen out to these shows um, uh, from the well, satellite. I could avoid bronchitis and other things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that might happen. Well, those buggers on Planet Nine keep on sabotaging uh, with viruses <laughs> and all kinds of mechanical uh, problems. Well, we're still working on our listener party, so we'll get, oh, we'll right. get her out. Oh, that, that is coming up. Oh, really? Uh, oh, great. Yeah, yeah. We'll keep you guys informed on that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.blogspot.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end. It's a man out! A man out!
You maniacs! You blew it up! Damn you! Damn you all to hell! <laughs> Thank you, I'm afraid that's all we have time for.